But I wanna, I wanna mention a couple things before we get started this morning. Number one, some of you are used to traditions and experiences where spiritual leaders, pastors, overseers um, make things very black and white. From a theological standpoint, it's one or the other. And so I just want to let you know in advance, I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to present truth, and I'm just going to let it sit, and you're going to have to figure out what it means to you. Number two is one of the things that we have to constantly address and deal with within this church family is the effects of religion. And what I mean by that is not pure religion, but human religion. And what, what that does is human religion typically takes a level of truth. And then what we kind of naturally do is we start trying to look at other people and see, we're trying to interpret their lives or how does this apply to somebody else? The difference between religion and relationship is relationship. And what I'm going to ask you this morning is as we're looking at this truth, And as we're breaking these verses down, this is not about anybody else in the world. This is about you. This is about me. This is not taking these verses and this truth that we're going to be looking at and trying to look at it through the lens of, let me me superimpose this over other people. But this is what I'm asking you to do this morning as we go through this, is stand in front of the mirror of self and only have yourself in your gaze and in your evaluation. So the simple thing that I want us to consider this morning, and this is a simple, but this this is a tough set of verses. I want you to think about this. So close, yet even worse. So close, but even worse. So let's begin reading them. Start in verse 18. I'm in the New King James. You follow along. We've got the verses up there. Peter says this, and we're talking about false teachers, talking about false prophets. And I've asked you to expand the net to be any kind of false influencer in your life. May not may not be a, a pastor with a label in a church, but it may be somebody else that you follow and listen to. It says this, Peter said this, for when they speak, great swelling words of emptiness. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if... After they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. So what I want to do is I just want to hit some of the Greek words here to get some definitions for our understanding. In the New King James, the translation pollutions, um, the Greek means that which defiles 
or the foulness, the foulness of which it contaminates. So that's what the idea of pollutions means here. Now, I don't know about you, but there's sometimes where I'm reading a hard passage and I go to the original language and I'm hoping that, you know, because sometimes when you read the scripture, you're, you're kind of hedging and you're hoping that it doesn't mean kind of what maybe you think it means. So you go in the original language and you're thinking maybe, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out what this really means and it's going to kind of take the pressure off. Well, I didn't get that when I'm looking up what the Greek um, for, for the word knowledge. The Greek word epignosis uh, generally means precise or correct knowledge. The way it's used in the New Testament of the knowledge of things ethical and divine. Here in verse 20, it applies to the true knowledge of Christ's nature, dignity, and benefits. So we're, we're not just talking about in this passage, we're not just talking about intellectual information. We're talking about an experience with God. Now, the word entangled here that's used, it means in the original language to interweave, to involve in or entangle. So I could give you several different illustrations. One would be like um, old school when there would be a battle taking place and they would set up these um, entanglements. So they would take barbed wire and all kinds of different things and they would basically create this woven nest of things and they would intertwine these things and interweave these things together so that it was almost impenetrable to either run through or to crawl through because the way that they're intertwined, this entanglement. Another idea that I could give you is um, in the ocean. You know how when you unwrap, if you've ever done big, huge bales of hay, when you're feeding animals, they're doing a lot of that. You'll see them rolled out in the fields right now. But you take everything off, you get all that twine, you get all of that netting, webbing. Have you seen pictures of the sea turtles in the ocean? And they go through some of that and it's all wrapped around them and they have no ability to get that off for themselves. That's an idea of that interweaving and tangling. Or some of you, maybe sometime you're going somewhere, you're out in the woods and you're walking and you're hiking and you go to turn, you're talking to somebody and you turn around and there's this huge spider web that could actually swallow three elephants and you happen to walk through it and somehow you start with your face but it's everywhere all over your body and you just feel like you can't get out of it it's just a simple spider web but somehow it's just become intertwined with your whole body and you're entangled in it and so the rest of the day you're preoccupied while you're hiking because you keep finding remnants of spider web Whatever works for you in this, I want you to just understand the depth of what we're talking about here. Now, I'm going to read in another version the same thing, but with different words like I did last week. And hopefully this will help some of you with your mindset. Second Peter 2, I'm just going to read 20 through 22 from the Living Bible. And when a person has escaped from the wicked ways of the world, by learning about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then gets tangled up with the sin and becomes its slave again, he is worse worse off than he was before. It would be better if he had never known about Christ at all than to learn of him and then afterwards turn his back on the holy commandments that were given to him. There is an old saying that a dog comes back to what 
he has vomited, and a pig is washed only to come back and wallow in the mud again. This is the way it is with those who turn again to their sin. Now let's take a moment to consider the strength of what Peter's proclaiming. Let's consider the reality of the false teachers, but let's also think about those who believe in what the false teachers are presenting. Amen. I love that. Boy, we are so blessed. We got a full nursery. We got children coming. Uh, man, he knows my voice. Yeah. Jordan. Oh, yeah, we see each other. How you doing? That's good. I see you. Sorry, squirrel moment. It was worth it. Consider the reality, because here we are. Let's think about it. What, what, why are we here? This is not a country club. This is not a special group. This is, we are about the gospel. We are about proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. We're proclaiming repentance and forgiveness of sin and transformation. So think with me, just consider the reality of a personal choice to take a different path because of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we're walking along in life, and all of a sudden, we come to terms with, we believe in Jesus Christ, so we turn and we begin to follow. There's this beautiful thing. There's this different path because of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is an escape. Think about this. Some of you are walking in this now. There's an escape from the polluting contamination of the world. You're, you're here. You get a taste of Jesus. You start walking this way, and all of a sudden, stuff starts taking place. There's this cleansing that's taking place. And what it says here is, is this ethical and divine things that, as you learn, you can now embrace. Then all of a sudden, on this path, there's a change of course. The defining pollution, the defiling pollution becomes like a spider web that now overcomes the person. These are difficult concepts to consider. And I want you to understand that there's basically normally two different theological positions and I have been presented with both of those, and I'm going to present both of those this morning, but I'm going to let you know that I'm not going to make a case for either one. I'm just going to present what the Scripture's saying. The first position, from a theological standpoint, is some would say that these people were never actually saved or born again. As we're talking about this in these verses, verses 20 through 22, some would say that these people were never truly born again. Then there would be some that would say that these people were actually saved or born again, but then they lost their salvation. That they had embraced Christ, but then even by their own actions, they either returned it, laid it down, turned their backs on it, or the defiling forces took it away or however you want to, there's, but there's two different positions here. Some, and there is this theological position between Calvinism and Arminianism. I'm not going to go into all that this morning, but I am going to present to you that there's different ways theologically to interpret this. I am not worried about interpreting this as much as I am applying it and using it to evaluate myself. 
My biggest question for us today is on the most personal level. I'm asking you to consider your own life in the same way that these verses cause me to evaluate Tim Duggins. These are verses that should cause each and every one of us to deeply evaluate our faith relationship with Jesus, the Son of the living God. I want to ask you, why do you believe and pursue godly things? Is it just because it feels good at the moment? Is it just uh, another self-help pathway that kind of makes sense for you right now? When you go to Barnes and Noble and you go to the self-help section, you get a bunch of different pathways to choose from. Is it just that you've chosen this pathway? Is it the newest thing or the fad lifestyle thing because you've got some friends that are doing it and you're coming along and this kind of this is kind of rocking and it's a little bit different right now? I want to ask you, are you really learning the ways of Jesus? If you are, why are you pressing into the knowledge of Jesus? I know these are all difficult questions. I'm not standing up here. I don't get to get a jail free card on this one. This, is, this, this teaching is rocking me to the core. Think about what Peter, Peter is saying here. Peter, who's dedicated his life to the gospel. Peter, who is pressed in. Peter, who's made all kinds of boo-boos and mistakes. And we look at Peter and we can see the frailty of our own humanity lived out in Peter's life, his mistakes, his denials, his all these different things of Peter. But here's also Peter, this man that has learned all these things. And as we, as we broke apart in chapter one, Peter knows that he's about to die. He knows that death is imminent, and he's saying to this group of people, he's saying, listen, I've made all the boo-boos, I've made all the mistakes, and I have been that hard-headed, thick-headed, stubborn person, but I'm telling you, there are some incredibly amazing, supernatural, divine things that we can embrace in our nature. There's some transformation, there's some amazing changes that can be experienced. This is St. Peter. But he's saying some pretty sobering things right here because there's something that we have to be careful of. With all of this incredible potential that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is making available to us at the will of the Father, we also have to be very careful because the number one false teacher in our lives is usually ourselves. This is what Peter says. Think about it. It would be better for a person to have never known about Christ at all than to learn of him and then afterwards turn his or her back on the holy commandments that were given to that person. Can you feel the weightiness of what Peter's saying here? 
it would be better for a person to have never known about Christ. This church family is all about proclaiming the hope and the good news of Jesus. But there's there's something here that Peter is trying to point out that is a really big deal for us to consider. Then to learn of Christ and then afterwards to turn his or her back on the holy commandments that were given to us. Peter is being inspired by the Holy Spirit to proclaim these things to these people he's writing to. He's not just making this up on his own. Perseverance, endurance, and tenacity now take on new significance in the light of the concept of giving up and giving into corruption and defilement. There is so much scripture, and I'm not going to go through them this morning, but there's so much scripture about the scripture says, endure, those that endure to the end shall be saved. It talks about hanging on. It talks about clinging. It talks about perseverance. It talks about all these things to where that we don't give up and we're pressing in. See, this process is not about perfection. It's not about us being better or it's not about us being superior. It's about us relentlessly not giving up. It's not about we don't fall on our face. We don't make mistakes. The scripture says, and we see in the New Testament, we're, we're prone to have struggles and sins. So what that means is that in all of our yuckiness as we're walking this path, no matter how many times we get knocked down on our face, no matter how many times we get beat down, no matter how many times we're disgusted with ourselves, we never give up we endure we keep fighting we keep pursuing because it is super important that we don't turn back and quit and give up the reinforcing example comes from two animals and I want to say this because some of you I don't know about you if you've ever had a pet pig Lori and I had a pet pig for a while when we when we worked at camp and we were hoping at some point we'd have uh, another child and we'd picked out a name. Well, the pig got the name. We called him Todd Phillip, okay? So we had a pig. If you've ever had a pig, we got him, little bitty guy. Man, he potty trained easier than most dogs. He was hilarious. I didn't know a pig could actually jump from the floor to the couch in one move. Um, so, but it was cool. But when we're talking about pigs here, and we're talking about dogs, some of you, you need to understand, this is not, this is not a pet smart ad that Peter's talking about here in verses 20 through 22. And when he's using the example of pigs and dogs, he's referring to something that had a cultural difference than what it does now. Dogs were not typically household pets, but half-wild animals that were roaming around the community. Very rarely during this point in culture did they bring dogs inside. Didn't happen. And then pigs, for the Jewish population... And not just the Jewish population, but for other people, pigs represented filth and they were an unclean animal to the Jew because in the Mosaic law, it considered swine as ceremonial unclean. This is a point that I want you to focus on about these two examples. The example here refers to an unchanged nature.
an unchanged nature? Are we being changed? Are we being changed from the inside out? One of the things I get a lot when I get to spend any amount of time with somebody that's pressing into Christ, whether it's a man or a woman, and we're just hanging out, we're having conversations. It's amazing to me how often, and I'll say stumble, but we're not really stumbling across, but Matthew chapter 7 will come out. When I say Matthew chapter 7, for those of you who've studied and you've been faced with Matthew chapter 7, you probably know what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 7, you have this group of people that they've done incredibly powerful, impressive things. And then they're standing before our Lord and they're telling him all these amazing things that have been done. And what is his response? I don't know who you are. Not only that, he doesn't only say, I don't know who you are. He says, depart from me because you've been involved in iniquity and sin. I don't know about you, but the first time I read those passages, I was terrorized. Great fear came over me. And what's amazing is when I'm walking and I'm talking with brothers and sisters that are pursuing Christ. Chris, we've talked about Matthew chapter 7, correct? Puckering verses, sobering verses, make you look deep within yourself and evaluate yourself because you're like, I don't want to be that person. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to present this morning is that a lot of us have been exposed to a level of Christianity that's all about lollipops and the positive side of the battery, and there's no negative side of the battery. Everything's got to be like huggy, feely, touchy, positive, wonderful, good, and yet you just have one side of the battery, you go search your car, it's not going to run. There's got to be that balance in the current. It's got to be able, it's got to be able to complete the circuit. And so what I am saying this morning is that there is a level of fear and trembling that we must learn to embrace as we evaluate ourselves before a holy God. And just to say, oh no, I'm good, I'm cool. Big man upstairs, he's cool with me. I'm cool with myself. There have to be points where we evaluate who we are and why we do what we do. And they're not comfortable times. It's not easy stuff. But think about the veracity of what Peter is saying here. And he's trying to help get these people's attention so that they are not following a false way that is going to lead them to corruption and destruction. Are we trying to change ourselves? Or are we allowing God to change us from the inside out? If you've hung around with us for any period of time, you've heard me tell you regularly that I'm a recovering religionist. You know what that means for me? is that what I was taught and what I embrace is I open up the scriptures and I pour over the scriptures and it's almost like now I have the goal of what I'm supposed to work toward. Like I am pursuing these godly standards, but it's on me to get there. And then a lot of the religious teaching in my life just reinforce that. Work harder, work harder, pursue more, go to all the services, show up at everything, sacrifice, do all these things. And so I'm constantly trying to do more 
And then there was a point in my life where God got my attention. I'm like, Father, please forgive me because this is not about my efforts to you. This is about you working in me. For the first half of my life, I knew the word grace, but I didn't have a clue what grace was. Because it's more about my works and my effort. Now, trust me, I got to do my part. I can't just be lazy and sleep and Holy Spirit's not going to just take care of it. But do you understand what I'm saying? There's this, there's a, a difference between me trying to change myself versus me opening myself up and say, God, you change me. I need your change. Now I'm going to read some verses from the book of Hebrews. There again, I'm not going to interpret these theologically for you. I'm going to give them to you and you let the Holy Spirit do what they do for you. But they're sobering. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 in the New American Standard Bible, the 95 edition. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 31, the uh, ESV. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately, After receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? And has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. And has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, the foundation of wisdom.
I want us to be a people who have true, honest, pure hearts. It's not about perfection. I do not want us to be people who get so close yet wind up in a worse state. I'm trying to live out the way that I teach. I'm not just giving you some lesson. When I teach, I'm trying to share with you what is being worked through my life and what I'm learning and what I'm embracing. I'm not standing up here sharing like I'm better than anybody else. This lesson is painful. It's evaluated. It's, it's difficult because I'm looking deep within myself. I'm evaluating myself. But in the process of that, my faith is purified. And what it does is it creates this humility because it's not about Tim Duggins and who I am and what I do. It's about Jesus Christ and what he's done. It's about his spirit working. And I can ask you, is, is I have spent time with some of you Riley, have I ever interacted with you like I was better than you or I was superior to you? Ryan, how about you? Well, only that once, right? (laughs) Note to self, don't ask Ryan again. No, I'm going to keep asking you. Megan, I got you, okay? Think about it. That's what the gospel message is. But we have to be looking within ourselves. There has to be this evaluation process. We can't just take these things for granted or at face value and just walk on. We have to do the hard work within ourselves to know that we're walking. And please, if you are somebody that is close to giving up this morning, I'm going to beg you, don't give up. Don't go back. Don't be ensnared. I don't know what these verses mean, but Peter is saying, if you make that your state, it's worse. It's worse. It's worse. That can't be good. So we have to encourage one another to love and to good works. You have to keep fighting. You have to endure. You have to go through those difficult things. And if life stinks and if life turns against you, and if all these things are bad, you cannot quit. You cannot stop. And we need to be there for one another. We need to be able to stand next to one another to be able to help one another. So that it's it's not like in a superiority standpoint, it's just like, hey man, I get you, I understand. This young man comes to prayer meeting with his brothers, 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning sometimes. When you hear this guy pour his heart out in prayer, open his lips and explain, then it's easy to just talk and say, man, I get it. We're, We're trying to encourage... You're saying, Tim, this young guy encourages you? You have no idea. He and his brothers, his little sister? Because we're trying to help one another be honest and truthful and press in and never give up, to never quit. 
It's not about making mistakes. It's not about being perfect. It's about we have to keep pressing in and learning and maturing. But in order to do that, there's those times where we've got to do the hard work. And that's what's happening to me. What I read to you about the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the service, I'm trying to yield myself. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, hey, remember that little hatch you got in that back room with a little door on it? You got that stuff tucked in there that nobody knows about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, open that up. That's yours too. I'm in the process of doing my junk all the time. But that's a part of the process of being conformed to the image of Christ. And that way we can proclaim to a lost world. People say, well, you guys are hypocrites. You think you're better than anybody else. It's not true of me. I know it's only by the grace of God that I am who I am. It's only by the grace of God that I'm not out doing other things or barely starting to wake up because of things that happened all weekend. That's only God's grace. And we need to be honest, truthful people that are not presenting perfection, but presenting just like Peter did. We are flawed people who are being changed day by day by the Spirit of God. It's about faith. It's about trusting Him. Father, we are your people. If someone is here today and they are struggling, they have not made a choice to believe in you, to give their lives to you, I ask that today would be the day that they would choose you, that they would believe in the Father, that they would press in and follow you till their last breath is taking. God, I thank you for endurance. I thank you for just that ability, that 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 gift to keep fighting and not give up. So I come to you on behalf of that man or woman, that boy or that girl that is discouraged and they're confused and they just feel like giving up. I ask that by your spirit that you would change them, that they would be lifted up and built up in their inner person and strengthen God and help us to be the kind of church family that loves and helps and pours in and presses in and encourages and strengthens. Oh God, please that the gospel would go forward through us. Teach us to love the way that you love and help us to do the hard work and evaluate who we are and what we believe and why we do what we do. In Jesus' name.